All right, well, if you're uh, just now joining us, we're at the end this morning, the end of the book of James. This has been a several-month study. We're going to complete one of my favorite books of the Bible today. If you want to open to James chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 12. We'll also have it on the screen for you. Uh, This is what James opens with uh, in today's reading, uh, one of the most concise ways to talk about honesty. One of the most concise ways to talk about uh, a forthcoming manner of communication, a a very clear-cut way in which believers ought to speak to one another and others in general. And how many of you would say that when I'm frustrated, we talked about carrying a backpack, how we all have seasons where life is difficult and we are anxious and and, and we are overwhelmed. And uh, it's just heavy. Frankly, it's the way it feels. We feel like we're the only ones to carry the load. We don't, we don't have a whole lot of help. And uh, how many of you, when you get that way, when you get tired, a few hours sleep, you get hangry. Everybody know what hangry is? Like combination of hunger and anger mixed together. You get hangry. For, for me personally, it's being hot. If I get hot, I actually looked this, I Googled this. It's a condition. I have a condition. When I get hot, I get frustrated and angry. I just lose my temper easily. I have a shorter fuse. It's just something about heat and humidity that just gets to me like, like few things get to me. I'm working on it, okay? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. Um, but when you're in those situations, do you say things or say things in a way that you wouldn't otherwise say them? Can you just agree with me on that? Okay, we're all humble, hopefully, and we would admit it. Uh, How many of you, when you're in the shed or the shop and you drop a hammer on your thumb uh, or a two-by-four on your toe or you get your hand caught in something, uh, you say something or you say something in a way that you wouldn't otherwise say? I will not ask you to raise your hand on this one, though Mike already has. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) How many of you, uh, when your three-year-old girl knows how to potty, Okay, and and <laughs> and still deliberately pees wherever he or she is. Okay, that too. How many of you say something or say something in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise? Okay, this happens. How many of you, when you're in the passing lane on the freeway, passing in a safe and legal manner, and you look in the rear view and you've got Dale Earnhardt Jr. encroaching down on you when you're already in the passing lane, he's moving like a rocket. He's not satisfied with the safe and legal way in which you're passing the slower car to the right. So he tries moving into the right lane to pass you before you're able to pass the slower car. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you? Let's just have a confessional. Corporate confessional this morning. How many of you speed up just a hair to stick them? Okay? That's a good feeling, isn't it? You chuckle, don't you? You chuckle when they can't get through. So let me ask you, oh, uh, the follow-up was, how many of you say things (laughs) in that moment, in the event that you are passed by Dale Earnhardt Jr., or say things in a way that you wouldn't otherwise say them? Yes? Okay, so let me ask you a question to kick off our time today. How is your mouth 
How's your mouth? Wasn't as much feedback <laughs> with this question. Verse 12. Above all, my brothers, do not swear. Either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, what's been so fun through the book of James, who was the younger brother of Jesus Christ, is to see them playing off of one, one another. It's as if the same author uh, wrote, you know, Jesus, what Jesus said down and, and what James said. Not true. They just spent a lot of time together. And so we have uh, here Jesus' words, rephrased in James' words. Jesus said as much, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He was quoting his older brother, Jesus, who he'd spent a lot of time with. And James adds, do not swear. I spent the first 18 years of my life in a home with no swearing. I had, uh, as an exception, a stint in junior high where I did it because everybody else was doing it. I thought I was cool. I thought I would be accepted. So I dropped some, some words. It didn't feel comfortable rolling out of my mouth, but I, I said them anyway. Um, and then I got to Bible college. I didn't really swear in high school. I was over it by then. I didn't think it made me cooler. Um, I had matured to some degree. I got to Bible college, though, and how many of you know Bible college, whatever maturity you've made up until Bible college, you lose it in Bible college. You're, are you aware of this? It's true, okay? Because you got a bunch of goody two-shoes together, and they're like outside of the pen for the first time. You know what I mean? And so my buddies, my roommates and, and I, we would, it was, it was private. It was, it was in the same house. It wasn't like out in public, but we would just drop a word occasionally, and then we giggle. We giggle because we were never allowed to say those words. And it wasn't out of spite or envy or malice or, or a part of our uh, e emotional rage. You know, it was just, we, we say it and, and, and we giggle, okay? James didn't learn, thank God, from other Bible college students. James learned from Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said, let your yes be yes and, and your no be no. What he's saying is this. Once you've made a commitment, be steadfast in your commitment. Don't waver. And therefore, um, while this isn't in today's text, we've got to be very careful in the things that we commit to. Um, even incidental ones. I'll give you an example. I told Cody Shanks, I just saw Cody this morning leaving the first service. He wasn't even in here. He was downstairs serving. Um, but I told him that I talked about him. And what I said was this. Roughly nine months ago, maybe even a year ago by now, I, I saw Cody on a Sunday morning. I said, man, I miss you. I just said, we just got to get together, and I got to hear about your life every Sunday morning. It's just, you know, we're passing like ships. And I just want to hear what's going on. Can we get, get together for a burger? Um, can we get together for an omelet one night after the kids go to bed and just catch up? Okay, that was nine months or a year ago. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that whatever eggs I'd promised Cody are still in the fridge at Perkins. Hopefully they've served, served other customers by now. Um, or the beef is still in the fridge at Nuts Deep 3, right? Or whatever it is. And so I, I, um, I failed 
to follow through in a, in a commitment. And it may seem like a small thing, but Jesus' wisdom and James' repetition to us is, say what you mean and mean what you say as a Christian and live your life within that boundary, within that verbal boundary, okay? How many of you have known somebody who their handshake was as good as a contract under the auspices of a legal attorney? Have you known anybody like that? That's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about we, we ought to live by with, with our words, okay? Um, some of our worst decisions with far-reaching, long-lasting implications, this whole chapter is about patience and burden-bearing and waiting on God, and, and we see that word patience or steadfastness in the first several verses, I think, four or five times. Um, some, of the, some of the most critical decisions we will make, we need to postpone until after we're out from under the pressure. Do you know that? It is such an important leadership and life principle. We need to wait until we cool off to solve the problem. I'm, I'm learning it. I haven't always done it. But it's been such a healthy thing for Shan and I. We're going through something right now that we're just waiting on. We just know our spirit isn't right to address it yet. We're just setting aside time until we're ready, until we can stick to the facts, until we don't have our emotions attached. And so don't forget to wait um, if you made a vow to your spouse, let your yes be yes. If you made a vow to the Lord and you're going to be a Christian, let your yes be yes. If you made a vow to other people in your life, let your yes be yes. Um, I think we should take great comfort this morning in the truth that Jesus Christ never said a yes and followed it with a no. What does Hebrews teach us? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I love you, I care about you, I want to redeem you, I want to grab you by the nape of the neck like a kid running headlong into traffic and save you from the mess that you've gotten yourself into. I'm going to forgive you your sins. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a brand new start with a clean conscience. And by the way, I'm preparing a place for you in eternity. And then along the way in your sanctification process when Christ is pulling the weeds out of your, out of your garden bed, out of your life and cleaning you up, you slip and regress. How many of you are glad that Jesus doesn't in that moment say, you did what? I'm done with you. Enough of this creator-creation kind of relationship. I mean, I'm few, how dare you? Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't change? Amen? He's generous. He's gracious. He's enduring. He's steadfast. He's patient. He's wonderful toward us. Here's what I know about Jesus. We're not terribly far removed from Good Friday, a few, a few months, but on that day, we look at this heavy physical burden that Jesus carried. It was a Roman crossbar. It was a big timber. It had... 
running through it the sweat and blood of other men who had been crucified before Christ. They were masterful at recycling, repurposing. Jesus had that placed onto his back whose flesh hung like ribbons because of a lashing he'd just taken. 40 minus 1, 39 lashings Jesus took. And he's, and he's carrying his cross. Not only was it physically demanding, but just prior to that, Jesus was in the garden praying, and, and he was under anguish, and he's having this long, heartfelt conversation between he and the Father, and he starts sweating. He, he's, he's under so much mental stress that he starts sweating literal drops of droplets of blood start coming out of his pores. It's an actual physical, uh, physiological condition, we're told, by people in the medical field, that it's happened to others. This is the kind of weight that Jesus was under. He didn't, as you know, end with that, although he did say there, even in that situation of duress, Father, not my will, but your will be done in the middle of that. And then he went, of course, and took to the cross. He was steadfast. He was enduring. He didn't take a vacation in the middle of it. He didn't quit. He ran the race. He kept the fate. He finished his mission. And he gave us this instruction prior to all this, if you'll remember. He said, pick up your what? Pick up your cross. That's what he told his disciples. And follow who? And follow me. What did he mean by that? He's saying, finish your mission. Do what I've called you to do. Serve faithfully. Be steadfast. Finish strong. I'm really good at carrying crosses. Jesus was saying, I promise, you'll see if you stick with me long enough. Trust me. Follow me. I will never leave you. We'll do this together until we reach the kingdom, until we have that blessed hope. It'll all be better together forever. It's going to be fantastic. But for now, follow me, love me, serve me. Confess your sins. Live a holy life. Clean up your mouth. Clean up your mouth. Watch your speech. Fulfill your promises. Keep carrying the backpack. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and it will cover a multitude of sins. That's how the book ends. 
I'm going to give you just a few statements James made, and we'll expound on them a bit. First, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. Allow me, if you will, to read you the lyrics of one of my favorite hymns. Beyond the melody, um, I think it's my favorite because it's a sweet reminder to connect with God in prayer, which is something I need to be regularly reminded of, believe it or not. It's importance. And so this is what we have. You may recognize this. We'll put the lyrics up for you. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. What's the answer to every one of life's problems, according to the hymn writer Fanny J. Crosby? Prayer. Prayer. Did you know that some Christians, I've seen this written about, took their relationship with God to the point that very little, uh, uh, if not any, of life's concerns bothered them? got under their skin, made them fret, alarmed them because they simply took it to God in prayer. They really believed that what they believed was really real. They trusted God would take care of it. This seems to be Fanny's idea. Prayer is to God, but Fanny knows prayer is often for us. It's a comfort it's, it's a, uh, an antidote to the worries of, of life. Um, not in the sense that our prayers are always answered like we want. You and I both know sometimes God's answer is yes. Sometimes, remember, his yes is yes. Sometimes his no is no. And sometimes he says later, I'm not going to tell you the answer right now. Tough luck, be patient. Like he did earlier in chapter 5 of, of James. Okay. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. Well, why don't we do that this morning? Did the Bible say to do that or not? If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praise. If you're cheerful this morning, I want to invite you to sing praise with me. We're going to sing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, whose lyrics I just read. If you don't know it, it's a simple melody. I'll lead. Join with me. And as we sing it, let's think about this text. That's the goal. Uh, hymns were didactic, meaning they were written to have a teaching function in the church. 
meaning that in addition to the sermon, people of old, the, the old school churchgoers felt like if they, Martin Luther even said at one point, if I know who writes the hymns of the church, I could care less who writes the theology. Meaning people are going to remember the songs far longer than they're going to remember my messages. So we have to make sure we teach them through the songs. And this song definitely teaches us. So we're going to put the lyrics up and we're going to sing it together. Are you ready? All right, here we go. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It's powerful, isn't it? Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Can I just tell you how wonderful, how much of a blessing it is to be prayed for? It's a blessing. It's, it's just so unfortunate that we don't seek it out more often than we do. Three to four weeks ago, I told you that in every service moving forward, our, our elders, and, and if we don't have enough elders, our, our deacons can join in from, from time to time, that they will be available to you after every service moving forward from now until Jesus comes back. Because we value prayer and we want you to seek it out. We want to minister to you. We want to serve you in that capacity. So let me encourage you this morning, stick around for prayer. Stick around for prayer. We had, as far as I know, for the first time in three or four weeks in the first service, two or three people that stuck around for prayer. And it was just beautiful. I want to invite you to stick around for prayer, to stay 
Allow them to help you carry your backpack. Supporting one another is so biblical. We read it right here. If you're sick, we have a vial of, of oil. We'll anoint you with oil. This is just it's just biblical. We do this still today. It's where you just take a little oil and, and, you, and you just make the sign of the cross on the believer's forehead. It's just a symbol that God is covering you. He's with you. He promised never to leave you. We pray for healing. This is what the word says in James chapter 5. Verses 17 through 18, Elijah is a man with a nature just like ours. I love this. I love this. Because of the story we just read, because of, of, of other prophets in the scriptures that did remarkable things, and here we read James tell us they were just like you. They were just like you. How encouraging is it that Elijah was just like us? I mean, think about this. Prayer accomplishes the miraculous on this earth. God responds when we pray. He's willing to meet our need. He's willing to do a miracle. I'll tell you a miracle is heavy on my heart right now. This has been an amazing season of generosity in the life of our church. We have raised three quarters of a million dollars toward a new building in a little over three semesters, in a little over three quarters of the way through two years, okay? You know what we need to trust God for? He said Elijah's a man just like us. We need to trust God for another quarter of a million dollars. We need to trust God for a $1 million down payment. That is what your pastor is trusting God for. And things are slowing down a bit. And I'm leaning harder into Jesus. He said he'll be with us. He won't forsake us. And you say, Pastor, it's not going to happen. Pastor, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Pastor, uh, if ifs and buts were candy of nuts, uh, candy or nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Don't you know this? We're not going to get to a million dollars. I'll tell you, the same people that feel that way in all likelihood did not think that we would get to three quarters of a million dollars by God's grace. I want to be the, on the front end of the thinking. I don't want to be a late adapter. I want to cut a ribbon and stand in front of the doors of the church and lift my eyes and hands to heaven and say, God, you told us you would provide us with a church. I don't want to sit there with my head bowed in disgrace because I was a guy who thought it wouldn't happen. Elijah was a man just like us. God still can and does miracles. Verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James reminds us, this is the end, this is the end of the book. He reminds us in closing, your life's mission. It's almost, it's almost as if he said, if you've forgotten everything else that I've told you, this is what I want to be on your mind. It's your life's mission to bring the sinner back to God. That's your life's mission. It's not the pastor's mission. It's not the missionary's mission. It's the Christian's 
mission to bring people back to God. We can do far more collectively than Shannon can, and I can do individually. Our network is greater. Our scale is greater. And James says, this is a serious matter. Don't forget this. Eternity is a long time. So let me ask you this. I ask, how's your mouth? Let me ask you this. When's the last time you've invited someone to church? We all heard it in basic process. Many of us who are members signed the covenant. Yes, this, I understand. This is my responsibility to tell my neighbors about Jesus, to invite them to church, to live in relationship, to be intentional, to offer to watch their kids, to bake them cookies from time to time, to want through kindness. That's how God leads people to repentance, to win them over to Jesus, to the Lord. Have you forgotten? I want to conclude with another lyric. Also by Fanny J. Crosby, just like Blessed Assurance. I may have misspoke the, the one we sung together, uh, What a Friend We Have, Jesus. And Jesus is not Fanny J. Crosby's hymn. This one is, though. It's called Rescue the Perishing. These are, this is the text. To James' conclusion. This is what it says. This hymn. Rescue the Perishing. Care for the Dying. S snap, does, does, does the hymn writer mean the physically dying? No, the hymn writer means the loss. Fanny J. Crosby, that's what she meant. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Though they are sliding him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried in your neighbors that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, that's your loving heart, Wakened by kindness, that's your kindness. Chords that were broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Let's pray. Father, it seems as though uh, James, Jesus' younger brother's words to us in this last chapter have been all about lifting our burdens, casting them on you, making life simpler. And yet, in, in the final verses, it says, if James pivots and he tells us, let me remind you of what your true burden, your real burden, the only burden you ought to carry is in this life as a Christ follower. 
a mission to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would make this personal. I pray that you would revive our desire to see people in our network know you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.